hello and welcome to the Bristol 24-7 Behind the Headlines podcast. My name is Meg and I'm here today at Centrale. Am I saying it right? You are saying it right. Centrale. With Dom Burrell. Dom, tell me who you are. What's your job role here at the the Bianchi's group? So yeah, Dom Burrell, Bianchi's group. Um, I am co-founder director with my cousin Ben Harvey. Um, We set up Pasta Loco about six years ago, then going on to Pasta Ripiana, and now what is Cotto Wine Bar and Kitchen, uh, Bianchi's Restaurant in Montpellier, which was previously Bell's Diner, and now Pizza Bianchi, which was previously Rocatillo's, some legendary spots there in Bristol, and we are in Centrale in Eastern, which is basically our central kitchen where we make the infamous focaccia, sourdoughs and pasta, but we've kind of added on to it to make it kind of a multifaceted uh, event space kind of thing. That's where we're at. Nice, nice. And, um, oh, I've just seen my chicken sandwich come up the stairs, which looks absolutely epic. Thank you so much, Mitch. Wow, look at that. I saw this earlier today on Instagram, and it's living up to its photo reputation. Okay, so um, we just took a brief break there so that I could eat, honestly, one of the best sandwiches of my life. Like, that is... Panuzzo, that is. That is the kind of sandwich that, like, I'm going to be thinking about for a long time. And I can honestly say I think I would die happy having eaten that. I'm glad that you're saying that. It was buttermilk fried chicken. Buttermilk fried chicken that kind of Ben came to the table with um, about five years ago in Loco because we were very uh, dusty after some awards the night before. So he came into Loco and he was like, I need to get this buttermilk fried chicken in my life. And obviously it stayed with us because we're all addicts of the fried chicken. And um, so we got these panozzo sandwiches, which we make with the 48 hour ferment uh, pizza dough that we use in Pizza Bianchi. Mm. So we get these naughty things and we just put them together you know so uh, and now you've got them in your life I knew there was something special about that bread yeah like that like crisp but fluffy oh my god anyway anyway we're getting distracted by fried chicken which is a worthy distraction but um so you've just reeled off your very impressive list of excellent restaurants um which from the outside you know like you opened Cotto earlier this year that's gone really well like so just Cotto a couple of weeks kind of, ago Jay Rayner was raving about it yeah he popped in he was doing um, a little bit of a show he was interviewing this uh, quite important reverend and um, um, our friend in the industry also Mr Taylor who everyone knows in Bristol does very similar things to what you guys do an amazing job of um, he, he kind of gave a nod to Jay Rayner and said you know you should go and check out what um, the guys are doing in Cotto so because um, he obviously popped into Ripiana which is next door to Cotto a few years ago gave us some really magical words so that was really really helpful we actually saw quite a lot of traffic online coming immediately after that article so yeah big ups that is really good news and Centrale which is the the spot that we're in right now so this opened is it two weeks ago now yeah this will be our third Sunday that we're rocking and rolling and obviously you opened the deli this week which is obviously where you've just got your lovely chicken panozzo um, so Conrad and Mitch are down there with Philly and we're kind of opening a deli for a few hours every day because what we're doing is we're actually just delivering Eastern BS5 kind of what we're doing in the kitchen already for the restaurants so we're giving that a go we've got a nice little crowd down there got some soul music in the background of course um, so Centrale kind of came about off the back of us adding on to what we do already because the idea of a central kitchen was to kind of alleviate chefs working all day long throughout the venues prepping for the evening services because obviously everything's fresh in our restaurants and we change the menus so often but we didn't actually help that much and financially it didn't alleviate it as much as we thought it would so we kind of had to think outside of the box so to speak as to how we can maximize our potential with this venue 
So um, yeah, like I said, multifaceted event space. DJs, uh, we work with different charities here. We just packed up uh, 200 school meals this morning, which we do every Friday with um, Team Love um, and Shona and Josh and whatnot. And then we deliver it around to uh, the different areas. So that's cool. And we've got a lot more stuff going on. We're kind of just, uh, we've got a little bit of a calendar here, but we're making up a little bit as we go along. We've got like a, a to-do list, but we're just taking it easy to see what we can actually achieve, you know? Well, I mean, it's a great space, and I, as an Eastern resident, I'm very, very happy that this has landed on my doorstep. Um, so, <clears throat> from the outside then, like, lots of great stuff is happening for you guys. It certainly seems like things are going well, but I was here at the opening of Centrali a couple of weeks ago, and we were chatting over a couple of very delicious tequila shots, um, and you kind of mentioned that what might seem super rosy on the outside actually is you guys paddling furiously underneath the water um so i kind of wanted to chat to you about some of the challenges that you're facing because obviously we've come out of a very difficult period for hospitality i naively kind of thought that things were going quite well now um but perhaps i've got the wrong end of the stick so do you want to like give me a brief overview <laughs> if you can i think um <clears throat> I think part of our role in hospitality is to make people feel comfortable, make give people the impression of positivity, happiness, make people welcome at home, so to speak. So I guess from the outside, that's kind of how we need to portray ourselves. I mean, if people were to go on what Instagram shows, then everyone would see like the, this kind of overview picture of this beautiful dish shining in the sun and fresh ingredients and so on and so on. But um, what we're seeing at this moment in time post-pandemic is we're seeing such a massive rise in so many different areas of, of problems, I guess. I mean, what I was saying to you the other day is uh, that the mentality of staff has changed quite a bit at the moment for loads of different reasons. Um, people's kind of motivation to work has changed. Uh, people's loyalty has changed. I mean, I'm not saying this is everybody. I'm saying, you know, we've actually seen like a massive rise in it, which is quite difficult because obviously we've been trying to look after people as best we can at the beginning of this year we um ben kind of came up with a great idea of shortening people's working weeks rather than seven shifts to six shifts so average working hours went from like 45 to 47 down to like 42 and we also tried to increase people's wages where we could so from a business sense that's kind of had a massive kind of impact financially on our business because we've had to employ more people to keep open um, and then we've seen the cost of living going up. For example, in June, we had an energy bill in Bianchi's that was £1,200. In July, it went up to 4800 So that is kind of quadrupled, doubled every week. Um, so our staff wages like 50%. The cost of living has gone up. The situation of Russia and Ukraine has had a massive impact on our flour, which obviously for a pasta and pizza kind of business is, uh, is incredibly negative as well. So... Um, we're kind of seeing our profits go down to like 1% of what they were uh, three years ago, pre-pandemic. Um, the rise in mental health issues that we've got going on with uh, staff as well. We're working with uh, members of the NHS and uh, within the community to try and figure out how to, how to approach this in, in the most kind of supporting and delicate way. And we're just trying to figure out how to keep a smile on our face and make people feel welcome into our restaurants all the time. We are quite lucky because of our reputation and our product that we are busy. So getting bums on seats is not really a major issue. It's making sure the staff are happy and it's making sure that we are making a profit without 
adding and increasing our prices so much so forward facing we've increased them already twice this year and we're just getting a lot of feedback saying it's way more expensive it's not really worth this money and so on and so on where we're comparing ourselves to other restaurants in the area and around the country and we still feel that we're quite reasonable and approachable so we're just, we're, every day we're trying to figure it out you know it's very exciting I mean you're certainly I know from experience very very good at making people feel like they're at home for sure I mean that's like undisputed um, but yeah like like I said you know we only see the sort of the the image that you want to portray um, to the public so under the surface it sounds like there's a few different kind of things that have created a bit of a perfect storm from mm. what you've just said um, so like let's let's dig into those a little bit so like mental health is obviously a conversation that's coming up more and more which is a really good thing that everybody's talking about it um but you know we are seeing that like people are because because people are talking about it more it's becoming more and more apparent that actually lots of people are struggling with their mental health lots of people are living with mental health conditions um what kind of things are you seeing amongst your staff what we've seen i mean We've been approached because we've started talking about these things uh, amongst community groups and whatnot. When I got back from my time away in Nepal, which was obviously for raising money for another charity, um, I was away for three weeks and I came back to um, cases of suicide, um, some like some sexual allegations, um, a few different things that covered a lot of things. We had addiction. We had depression, um, and there were so many different kind of areas of mental health issues. And obviously, Ben and myself are no stranger to to like this lifestyle of hospitality, which a lot of people are aware of. So it's kind of we feel hypocritical sometimes when we're trying to help other people when we're also ourselves, you know, in the thick of it, um, front to back. But um, I guess where do we begin these things, and how do we help ourselves? and then help other people and so on and so on. So we're a little bit torn when it comes to that as well. And this is a conversation that we have amongst ourselves, like the director's group, because obviously our partner's wives, they are running this company with us. So we go home with it, we come to work with it. And um, we are, we've had a sit down with a lady, lovely lady called Sarah Parsonage, who represents one question outside of London. And we sat down with 18 people and they came from different businesses different kind of areas of business like kpmg deloitte uh, charities the government the nhs and we had an open question about whose responsibility is mental health warehouse welfare welfare <laughs> sorry running away here and uh, it seemed what was apparent that everybody was seeing a massive increase with these issues throughout every different industry and it also seemed quite apparent that none of us had the capability of dealing with it as best we could we don't have training for this we don't have budget for this we don't have time necessarily to spend on learning about this so what do we do about it and at this moment in time the answers are kind of flying around but no one's got the framework for it so I guess we've got our hands up in the air just waiting for it to land and waiting for some assistance but um, people are working on it but uh, I'm not too sure what that looks like at this moment in time. I just know that it's kind of on the top five things that we're kind of aware of at this moment in time with our company. That sounds like it's been a really difficult time. Um, and yeah, like obviously 
all the want to sort things out and to help people is there but if you're up against it with money and time you know it's it's it can seem like you're just at a dead end a lot of the time which is really really difficult so I empathize with you um but yeah and I do you know like like I said earlier I think it is becoming more and more common across the board mm. do you think that it's particularly bad in hospitality and if so why I think hospitality I mean especially when you come in and talking about chefs and you say they're the last heroes of hospitality because they're on their feet for up to like 14 16 hours a day working especially at this moment in time as we all know at extreme extreme temperatures in the kitchens um the levels of stress kind of lead people to addiction um obviously drugs alcohol and gambling there's smoking there's just loads of different areas and that's another thing that's quite difficult is to point out exactly why these things happen the cornerstone of the beginning of these problems and whatnot how to identify them before they happen and so on and so on but the levels of stress in hospitality are high and people need to kind of blow steam off so to speak those famous staffies after work and whatnot i think um especially now and what's just happened with covid the ever-changing landscape of hospitality particularly like with the rise of prices and whatnot the stress levels they don't change because we're facing new challenges every day so there's new levels of stress continuously coming every day and i think as i mentioned before the difference that we're seeing with staff's loyalty and motivation and there's a lot of the grass is greener on the other side you know we're constantly looking for staff and you know you'll see it all over social media all of our peers whether they're closing restaurants or continuously looking for staff and financial support it's just completely ongoing and um there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel at this moment in time but you know i guess one thing that hospitality has shown us is perseverance and hard work you know i mean if anybody has it's definitely you guys um so like you mentioned earlier about the cost of living and how your energy bill at Bianchi's has quadrupled. Like, that's insane, and that's presumably only going to get worse. I don't mean to, like, put a down on things, but, um, you know, the prices are set to go up again in October. What does this mean for the price of your, like, prices on your menus? What does it mean for, like, increasing pay for your staff who might also be facing rising costs of living? Yeah, yeah. So... <clears throat> We, I mean, we've done a couple of things online in terms of giving people information about where we pass these costs on and try and still remain approachable and affordable. But obviously, everyone's going to be feeling these pinches. So we've been kind of going through our business, the back of house with a fine tooth comb. And I've just had, actually had a really positive meeting with Dave from Patterson's, who are one of our suppliers special kitchen chemicals and whatnot and he is looking into areas where he can kind of help and save us money here and there which is fantastic which means that is an area that we don't have to pass on to our menu prices um and another way that we've actually put which is obviously a little bit of a um a bit of a gray area especially outside of london but we've put optional service charge of 12.5 percent onto our bills because where we can give our staff financial support that they might need or deserve as much as they want I should say because we do definitely pay the, co- uh, the, the wage what's the right word here? Bristol living wage Bristol living wage and above you know so we feel like that service charge is an extra incentive for them and can, we can tick that financial box with them um, and yeah the back of house is is where it's at at this moment in time um we're making better kind of deals and relationships with wine suppliers and whatnot. 
we're using Eastern where we can bulk buy and store. Like if you look behind these curtains here, I've got like 660 bottles of Italian wine, um, which we've managed to save some money on. So just trying to think a little bit more smarter um, about our relationships. And obviously where we've had to cut down staff, it means that we've actually had to turn around and, and train them up um, as much as we can as well. So. You know, we've got some legends rocking and rolling our business for us on the floor, keeping everyone happy. So there's loads of different areas. I guess it just means that at this moment in time, um, Ben, Joe, Ruth, Magda, uh, Jose, who's Ben's wife, is also our accountant. So she's definitely got um, a full to-do list at the moment. The emails overflowing everywhere. And Mitch downstairs is kind of looking at the whole company to see where we can save money, you know, like Bianchi's is uh, turning off their their fans and lights and everything in between services and we're thinking about doing a candle lit dinner at 9 p.m and some of that money will go to some kind of charity that looks after energy and whatnot so we're just kind of thinking outside the box and getting everyone on board with it but um that in itself kind of takes us away from service it takes time um and it is a little bit stressful but you know it is what it is at the moment Absolutely, and a lot of what you guys do is about like community and being part of the community, um, and I, I think that's fantastic. Like the stuff that you do to support charities and everything is amazing. Um, but what about like your community in terms of your staff? Do you feel like you have a good sense of community? Do you feel like your staff kind of look out for each other? You know, you talked about these legends that are rock and rolling on the floor. Are they are they kind of well connected as well? and looking after each other yeah I mean we on Monday night we went to a lovely old school um, Bristolian legend of a restaurant and um, it was one of our girls birthdays and um, so like 10 of us went out we had a lovely night and um, we often, we give staff incentives to kind of come to our restaurants and eat at like 50% off and whatnot just to try and get them out we do a lot of staff swapping um, and a lot of the staff spend a lot of time with each other outside of work which sometimes can be a little bit of trouble, especially if they're feeling dusty the following day. Um, we do spend a lot of time with them. We do try and touch base with them. Ben and I this year tried to get ourselves off the rotors and just so we could spend time with each venue, identify what people need, what the venue needs. But um, I mean, some people need more time with each other. Some people need more time from us. And it is difficult sometimes to spend enough time with people. Um, because we're all, we're running around putting out fires, so to speak, and obviously coming back from having two years off, um, people's kind of work ethics have changed a little bit. So we do see a small percentage of people that are scared to do uh, the long hours and jump in when we need it to as well, which is a little bit, you know, depressing for us considering how hard we're all working. But you know, we, we got like seventy-five plus staff, so it's inevitable that you get a small group of people that aren't exactly the same as the others and whatnot but like I said the majority of people really kind of look after us how we like to think we look after them um, we just try and keep that brave face on you know and get people to drink water in this hot hot climate enjoy the food that we're cooking in the kitchen and obviously take a bottle of wine home when you need to you know nice and you mentioned a couple of times uh, that some of your staff might be starting to feel like the grass is greener are we talking like moving elsewhere in hospitality or are we talking leaving leaving the industry altogether well do you know what? a little bit of both to be honest we've seen quite a few resignations this year and some of them are like it's really kind of sad to see people go they, they're like demanding more money they're like oh my friends are getting paid you know five grand more a year but they're working in a corporate pub or whatever and you're trying to tell them that 
first of all the kind of tips that you get here are pretty good second of all you know we've we've changed your salaried hours down and uh, third of all this is a family run business so people kind of skip over to these corporates where they're serving frozen food or whatever and not necessarily having faith in the product and they're probably working 15 hours more a week so when you balance it all out a lot of people don't actually think about all of that they just see this figure unfortunately but you know at the same time if that's the mind frame of some people then you know they can go and learn those lessons um, it's not our job to kind of beg people to stick around when we've got other bigger fish to fry so to speak but um, it's difficult um, kind of competing with these corporates at the same time we just don't have the same kind of silent millionaire partners or the same corporate structure or the same amount of money to splash around on frozen food you know <laughs> well I'm for one I'm very glad that you're not splashing lots of money on frozen food um, I did have another question what's I know it's very distracting um, that was it so obviously like I love the Bianchi's group I've yet to find like every single time I think you've reached your peak you mm. like you you re-peak and there's something new and I'm like what how have you done it again um, but like I want to support you Bristol 24-7 want to support you um, with these challenges and I'm sure that a lot of the people that are listening to this want to support you and want to support Bristol's hospitality industry as well. How can we do that? I think what we what we need. I mean, <clears throat> we. I, I think ninety nine percent of our customers are, are absolute legends. We we've got people that come back on a weekly basis, and um, you know it's really enjoyable to serve um, and deliver products to these people, these Bristolian legends. Ninety percent of the time, you know, um, we do need some understanding of. Of why the prices have gone up we do need to kind of get that education across to people um, and we do need a little bit of patience on hot days and whatnot or if we're understaffed and that you know like we're definitely trying the best we can I think what people need to understand is the hospitality industry is still in a massive crisis and we're going to be seeing some changes about the way we operate just to keep our doors open so if we can have some understanding and patience with that that's just what we need you know and tip the uh, staff. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we at, the, at this moment in time, we're working with um, the Ukraine Appeal, so we're sending cash and we're sending um, food, jarred tin and dry food to the border. Uh, we've been doing that with uh, a few other Bristol legends. Um, and, but there's a few people that are like, you know, a bit dubious about that, which is, you know, it's upsetting, but, you know, people, it's people's rights to do what they want. And, yeah, I mean, tip where you feel it's good to tip and you're keeping a smile on everyone's face and you're keeping people that you know and in, in the job employed and they want to stay with us which is good because it's helping us keep our doors open you know and uh hopefully we'll get through this and um everyone will get the chance to come back out enjoy life without stressing out enjoy a bottle of wine and enjoy a bowl of pass you know i mean yeah for sure for sure and you talked a lot like i think you you've got good relationships with a lot of other hospitality legends as you would probably call them in bristol um I presume that this isn't just the case. These aren't just problems that you're facing. Would you say that the problems are similar or the same across across the industry, or do they kind of differ from got, from restaurant to restaurant? Yeah, I mean, I think we're all seeing the same issues. I mean, we've got community groups on WhatsApp and whatnot. We've got um, a community group with like 122 operators on there, and we're constantly sharing ideas about swapping equipment and staff and. Have you got contact for a plumber or an emergency electrician? And the, the community group is good, but I mean, it has gone a little bit more quiet because I think everyone's turning around in house and there's 
we're all putting out the same fires and it's, it's a little bit more difficult to support each other. But I guess the good thing that we can look at is that we're all facing the same problems. It's not just one restaurant and the way they're doing things and so on and so on. We're, we're all seeing this in an industry across across the, the nation. You know, we've got friends in London, Bournemouth, Brighton, Birmingham, Manchester, London, I just London twice there. Um, and everyone is feeling the heat, you know, and um, we, we just kind of batten down the hatches and try and sort it out. I mean, we, we know there's some like famous restaurants that have closed recently and they're planning on kind of coming back to the industry when things have kind of got a bit brighter or changed their model up a little bit. People are really taking drastic action to try and think out of the box how to kind of survive this thing, you know? And, like, what... You know, there's a, there's a lot of this pattern of, like... We have to overcome these problems. I'm, like, I'm seeing this a lot more. That we have to overcome these problems as individuals. But like, what could, you know, in a dream world, what would the government be doing to support hospitality? Oh, uh, we need to get that VAT knocked back down. That's literally, you know, when it went back up, all the bills went up and everything went back up. I mean, that would be the first thing to get the VAT sorted out. And then with the presence of COVID as well, the statutory sick pay is not not great and it's the, the rules are a little bit murky i mean if, even if we have staff with covid they still have the right to come into work and whatnot but it's the same as flu i guess and we a lot of our clients are elderly and um quite uh, delicate I, I suppose and other people are not necessarily comfortable working with other people with covid of course so it's difficult to kind of be put in a position where we have to make the rules up ourselves nice one brother Mwah. i'll see you tomorrow ciao Sorry, Conrad, the legend that he is, leaving the building. Um, so, but the VAT, that's the biggest thing, you know, and in Bristol specifically, I know the council about their budget cut, um, they're understaffed and whatnot, but we've, you know, we get misinformation, miscommunication about pedestrianisation here and there. A little bit more council support would be great. Uh, a little bit more clarity as to what we can do and what we cannot do. Um, obviously, we've got Cotton Hill, we've got um, St. Stephen Street, We've got an application in at the moment to try and put a kind of a roof garden on Pizza Bianchi where the view is absolutely incredible. We're going to put a small garden up there uh, with some herbs, some vegetables and whatnot. So that, a little bit of support with that would be great. But, um, you know, VAT and uh, communication, that's all it is. Yeah. And just for my inside scoop, is this like... What roof garden are we talking just growing stuff or like can people sit up there yeah no definitely we've got we've got all designed up we've had the structural engineering we've had the application in for about four months now we have been advised by the council to take it down because it won't get approved but I've obviously gone back and Ben and I feel quite strongly that's going to be a really positive addition to the area it'll be a nice roof garden where people can enjoy the pizzas uh, check out the veg and herb gardens and the view of uh, the triangle up there of the historical buildings and that is absolutely insane you feel like you're in Oxford or Bath you know but right on top of Bristol so you know wink wink nudge nudge come on everyone <laughs> I mean I'd rather be in Bristol any day um, but then again it is my job I would say that <laughs> um, cool well I mean we're absolutely sweltering here and I'm sure that you've got lots of stuff to be doing so I will leave you in peace Tom um, but thank you so much for chatting to me and yeah let's come on Bristol let's get behind let's thank get behind you, our independent restaurants because they need us we love you Thanks, Bristol 24-7. Your stars. That was the excellent Meg Horton-Gilmore speaking to Dom Burrell. And if you enjoyed listening today, then do head over to our website, bristol247.com, where you can read more about the crisis in the hospitality sector. 
And also, please consider supporting Bristol 24-7. You can become a member by paying just £5 a month or £45 a year and you can become part of our community.